Welcome to the Making Wellness Podcast, a show dedicated to improving your mental health. Our mission is to help millions of people heal and become happy again. Thank you for joining us and helping us eradicate the stigma behind mental health. And now, here is your host, Sarah Macon. Hey everyone, this is Sarah Macon with the Macon Wellness Podcast, and I'm so excited for today's guest. We have on Joanne Spence. She is a recovering social worker and certified yoga therapist. Um, She has a social work degree from James Cook University and a Master of Arts from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. She is the founder and executive director of Yoga in Schools. And today she's going to be talking to me about her latest book, Trauma-Informed Yoga. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, and subscribe to our newsletter at makeandwellness.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a positive review if you have enjoyed our shows. Without further ado, here is my interview with Joanne. Thanks so much for joining us on the Make and Wellness podcast. We're so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Glad to be here. So, uh, Joan, what um, led you to writing a book for therapists and counselors? Well, um, I um, formerly was a social worker and now living as a therapist, and but a long time ago, 20, 20 some years ago, um, I transitioned to being a yoga teacher, and along the way, I started working um, in psychiatric health and working in uh, actually at Western Psych for about 10 years. And so there was a a definite blend of the skills that I was using. And so what happened during that time was seeing a need for people would say, oh, I feel so much better after doing these very simple practices. Uh, Could you come again tomorrow? And reality is, no, I couldn't come tomorrow. And the yoga does its best work, uh, done a little bit every day. So it was how does that break down and how could I put some of those tools into the hands of therapists um, and group practitioners um, that could make um, the practice more available on a daily basis. So that was how I I got to the idea of, well, why not write a book? And uh, because it took a long time, the practices that I've written about are very simple uh, but it took a long time to learn how to use them in use which tool in which context. So, so that's kind of how I, I came to the idea. So that the the work itself, um, I mean, people are like, why would I want to learn breathing when I've been doing that? <laughs> it's very specific breathing in very specific contexts can have an immediate and powerful effect. And I wanted to be able to share that knowledge uh, and put that in the hands of therapists that already have um, rapport with their client and already have uh, a, a large tool, you know, a toolkit and skill base to add this to. And whenever you talk about just even how profound of an effect breathing can have on someone, many times, especially people with anxiety and people with trauma end up hyperventilating and not doing deep breathing like that in of itself and really help people on such a deep level. And it's kind of interesting how, I don't think there's really any programs for counselors or social workers 
schools that really talk about that. And so that it's great that you talk about that because we've noticed like with our patients, it's so helpful. I was just going to say, I noticed the gap between counselors saying, well, perhaps you should try some breathing practices and, and then a patient having a handout or a client having a handout that says do breathing practices without specifics. And I've found that the, the efficacy comes in doing something with someone. And so I've written out very specific scripts so that you can literally read from the script. Now you need to practice it yourself first, but it's very small amounts of um, breath practice and some small amounts of movement that, that if you've done it before and you're familiar with it and that you have that in your body, then doing it with someone is, is a simple next step. So it was seeing that gap and hearing, oh, you should really try some breath practices to being able to fill that gap to say, let's try this together. This is what I've been trying and I've found that it does this. Let's see how this feels for you. And then being able to do it with someone and feeling like you had the words and the timing, the rhythm of how to do that. This is one thing like, oh, here's um, a handout or you, you know, send them a message, do some breathing exercises, but actually doing the breathing exercises with the client mm -hmm. and ensuring that mm -hmm. they are being done properly and properly teaching them is so important because there's so many different ways you can interpret how specifically mm -hmm. to do a breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. So I spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> Spelling it out makes a big difference for sure. So you did mention a few minutes ago that you are a recovering social worker. Could you talk a bit more about what that is? Well, I'm really, I mean, I'm, I'm using the language of recovery, but I'm also trying to bring a little levity into something that can be... I don't know about you, but as a therapist, there are times when uh, the work is really heavy and I take the practice of being a social worker and being a counselor very seriously. But there are times when you just need um, a little levity and in you know, the popularity of the recovery movement and hi, my name's Joanne and I've been sober for how many days. I just thought, well, I, would, I started saying I'm a recovering social worker rather than I'm a recovering from 21st century living. And, and that does seem to hit a nerve with social workers that I was working with and people in the field would kind of like give me that knowing look because I don't think that I've ever left the field of social work and counseling, but I'm doing that in a different form now. And for me, that's been a, a really great transition. But it was initially just put out there a little flippantly for a little bit of levity to, to, to bring some lightheartedness to a profession that can, that can get a little on the heavy side at times. So, so that's where it came from and it's, it's, it's stuck. And when I've run it by people to say, oh, should I take this out? Well, people think I'm being disrespectful because that's the last thing that I would want to do would be to marginalize therapists and social workers. And um, the feedback, at least the feedback from the people that I ran that by, they're like, no, 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 just leave it in there. Is we get that levity or it's an interesting point of connection to talk about. So, yeah, I'll probably never not be a social worker, but there is a long process and my own actual recovery from from trauma is all tied up in that so I guess that is a lifelong 
journey as well. Oh yeah, I mean, we say that with our clients and it's true within, you know, counselors or social workers or anyone in the healing or helping sort of professions that we have to always work on ourselves and on mm -hmm. our healing journey. And it can be really challenging when you are meeting um, with people that are struggling with so many different things mm -hmm. and not taking that in because vicarious mm -hmm. traumatization um, mm -hmm. is very real, especially when you do a lot of trauma work. So could you um, talk a bit more about what trauma-informed means to you? When I started this path and started hearing those words, um, I was working as a, as a yoga instructor, as a group therapeutic group, group facilitator at Western Psych. Uh, and I was hearing, it was sort of concurrently of hearing the word trauma-informed in the healthcare setting and in, at Western Psychiatric Institute and Clinic. I think they've had a recent name change, but you know where I mean. Um, very large psychiatric hospital here in Western Pennsylvania. And at the same time, I had been a yoga teacher for a number of years and realized that I wanted, despite my social work background, that I wanted specialist training of understanding how yoga practices could inform our mental health better because it was, there's, a, there's more information available about the physical benefits of yoga. And I was seeing how the mental health benefits of yoga uh, were transformative for me and for people in front of me. And I wanted to dig more into that and get some more training specifically. And so it was through Life Force Yoga, which was then based in Tucson, Arizona, uh, of where the intersection of mental health and uh, yoga was being taught by a woman named Amy Weintraub, who also wrote uh, Yoga for Depression. Mm -hmm. and a really great book, Yoga Skills for Therapists. It so it was in, in that training specifically and through, uh, you know, there's, man there's many mandatory trainings that one has to attend when you work in a uh, facility, UPMC facility like Western Site. So I started to hear the word more and more. And what really struck me was the universal concept that you don't know who's in front of you at any given time, whether you're a medical facility or a psychiatric facility. And with the increase of statistical, the statistical increase of the, or the chance of someone in front of you um, that's seeking treatment for whatever reason, having some sort of trauma in their background is um, high enough that treating everybody as if they have trauma was, was an important concept. Uh, akin to um, hand washing. Does hand washing um, prevent the spread of disease? No, but if we implement it as, as a universal precaution, we, uh, we have evidence that that's going to decrease um, the spread of disease and it's simple and it's very effective. So the idea of starting then at the, um, in psychiatric care to understand that we, that people showing up for treatment are more likely to have trauma than not. And that there are things that we can do as professionals in healthcare and counselors in particular to not perpetuate the trauma and have the treatment itself be traumatic. So that was a really key to start understanding that in fact, some people's 
attempt at seeking treatment was perpetuating trauma. And that really goes against what we're trying to do. If you think about, um, you know, the medical idea of, uh, or the philosophy of do no harm. So that progressed. That's where I saw it showing up in the literature was in, um, you know, the mid 2007, eight, nine, around then. Uh, and I just started to keep my ears peeled because then I heard trauma-informed connected to other things other than healthcare and specifically trauma-informed yoga. And I'm hearing trauma-informed schools and trauma-informed uh, prison systems in trauma-informed foster care. And I started hearing the word attached to lots of different services. And a point here for therapists is that the word trauma-informed doesn't necessarily mean um, that you are a trauma therapist. And, and that's sort of the case that I'm making in my book, that all therapists should have some training and knowledge of trauma uh, as a universal precaution. And then that's separate to being a trauma therapist. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. And you explained it so well, comparing it to like washing your hands. Because if we all do it, it's going to, there's research that shows it's going to decrease the likelihood of you getting sick. And if we all operate from a trauma-informed um, care perspective, there's going to be a reduced likelihood of a therapist or a provider accidentally traumatizing or triggering someone else. When we mm -hmm. first uh, started making wellness, we were practicing in our offices. And as part of our policies, we have it so that no provider or, you know, because we not only have providers, we have people that work on our website or social media and other things that no one could wear cologne or perfume, that there is no hugging mm -hmm. your clients or touching mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, and if, mm -hmm. if, um, if they want to sit, that the client gets to choose where they want to sit in the counseling rooms and stuff. And these are all things mm -hmm. done preventatively from mm. an informed care perspective to to help yeah. clients to feel more comfortable so i really like how you explained that you did a really wonderful job with explaining what trauma-informed care and what that essentially looks like well, i'm really glad that you have that as part of your um your universal practices that's a really great thing and certainly part of best practices so Thank you so much for leading the way on that. And I think the more people that do that, the more consciousness will be raised around um, the prevalence of trauma. It does make a big difference. And another thing that you did mention that I would love to talk more about is not necessarily assuming, but just operating from the vantage point that everyone has experienced some level of trauma. And mm -hmm. sometimes in treatment in the beginning or I'm sure like with yoga in the beginning the person might not identify with that or might not feel or think mm -hmm. that it's the case but mm -hmm. as the layers of the onion start to get peeled off yes. then it can start to come out and to have a warm safe and caring environment for that to happen is so important yeah and that's where I use the word agency where someone is able to advocate for themselves and as you said, even having a choice of where they want to sit in the room, I love to wear some scents, but I've learned in working with people over time that it, it just doesn't, that doesn't work for some people. 
and to be able to have some things in place that um, allow for this um, felt sense of safety are really, really important places to begin and you're really tapping into allowing the other person to have an agency. And I'm, I'm really fond of that word and I, I use it quite a bit in my work, in my book. So is your work about being a trauma therapist? Uh, no, um, but it's, uh, it's, my book is, includes tools that will help therapists to have a universal practice of being trauma-informed. And I think if you want to call yourself a trauma therapist, that there are, uh, are more steps and more trainings to take. But I'm making an argument for and advocating for being trauma-informed as a universal practice. So it's taking some of um, your best practices a step further in like not asking people if they're safe, not asking people to take a deep breath because these are, are not things, especially if someone's not aware that they have trauma, uh, I can, are not helpful. Um, and being aware of, I mean, Bethel van der Kolk talks about um, these concepts and, and thoughts. He's not the first person that he's really articulated well in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, that some things are beyond talking and that one needs to tap into body-based therapies like yoga and Tai Chi and dance movement therapy and art therapy as different ways of being able to express oneself because sometimes the things that have happened are beyond words and they have to be worked out in the nervous system and not just cognitively with words. And there's a larger body of evidence and theories that have been developed as a result of, of some of that really important work from Pat Ogden and Peter Levine and, and Bessel van der Kolk and Judith Herman as an earlier pioneer of, of, of those thoughts in, in trauma therapy. The trauma can affect your body and there can be so many different, sometimes your body actually like physically holds on to a lot of negativity and can like your muscles can clench actually or our clinical team um, has a book club, and that was one of the books they just got done reading was The Body Keeps Power. Mm. So yeah. um, in your book, Trauma-Informed Yoga, I'm just wondering, um, do you have to be a yoga teacher, or could you be a counselor or not even be a counselor in order to, to teach the practices that you've written about? So the primary audience is for therapists and counselors who do not have a background in yoga. And the secondary audience is yoga teachers that may not have heard of trauma-informed yoga. But my primary audience is to be used in, is for therapists to use this in a counseling, so in a talk therapy session that you might set aside five minutes, the beginning or the end, or sometime throughout. And I make suggestions um, and I give timeframes so that therapists will understand where it might fit and where you might use it. But it's also about how you care for yourself as a therapist and, you know, a burned out therapist and burned out social workers and uh, is not a pleasant place to be. And so having more tools to care for ourselves so that we can be effective in the work we've been called to do. That's my other agenda. We said, you had a secret agenda. I'm like, it's not a secret agenda. It's, I think it's a stated agenda of advocating for how to care for yourself as, as a, a professional service provider. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think that a lot of organizations and some hospital systems really miss the boat with this one. It's mm. especially when you're talking about a mental health care provider, like you have to be in a place where you are feeling good, where you have healed from a lot of different things and you mm -hmm. have the ability to help others. But if you're exhausted, if you're burnout, you're not exercising, if you're not taking care of yourself, you really don't have mm -hmm. much money to offer anyone else, then that's going to affect outcomes. And that's ultimately not mm -hmm. good for people, especially mm -hmm. when people are investing or wanting to invest a lot in their mental health and really start to yeah. feel better. Yes, preach it. <laughs> I definitely do, Joanne. <laughs> so if you are tuning in and you are a yoga teacher or studying to become one or a counselor, please check out Joanne Spence's book, Trauma-Informed Yoga, so you can learn how to better help your clients. Um, could you let everyone know how to find out about you or how to reach you? Thank you. Yes, the book is not quite available for pre-order, but it will be within hopefully a few weeks. And that information will be on my website at joannespence.com. That's J-O-A-N-N-E Spence, S-P-E-N-C-E.com. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Joanne. It was so wonderful getting to meet you and to learn more about what you're doing because your work and this book is so important, especially trauma is something that it can be really hard to heal from. And whenever you have these extra tools, it can, it can really make a huge difference. So thanks so much for that and for all the work that you've done for our industry. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on. And, and thank you so much for all that you're doing in the world. Keep up the good work. Of course, you too. Thanks so much. And that was our interview with Joanne Spence. Again, thanks so much for joining us. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. Check out our website at makingwellness.com and subscribe to our completely free newsletter. You'll get free mental health, addiction, and relationship-related content and advice delivered straight to your email. I look forward to connecting with you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this installment of the Make and Wellness Podcast. Help us find more great listeners like yourself by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. Visit makeandwellness.com for more in-depth resources geared towards improving your mental health. We look forward to speaking with you again at our next session.